Hello, and welcome to Conversations with Kari. I'm your host, Kari Feiler. In today's episode, I talk with my friend and co-worker, George Yamin. We talk about yoga, God, scholarship as a general topic, and the scholarship that he runs, curiosity, knowledge, the stimulus package, basic income, meditation, acknowledging internal states, and various other topics. I hope you enjoy the show. And we're on. Uh, so you're saying, I think we can go on the same thread we're already on. Uh, you asked me if I've ever done yoga. Yeah. Um, the reason I ask is because, um, do you know if you did restorative yoga? There's so many different types. Um, that one is where you hold poses for longer positions. Mm. Uh, have you done that one? or do you remember No, no. You did? I, I did Bikram. Um, I did Bikram hot yoga. And I've okay. done... Just YouTube video stretches in your living room yoga. So never anything, awesome. no classes. The reason I bring that up is when what I notice with myself is um, I'm inflexible. I'm, I got the typical computer body, computer back. And when I hold positions in yoga longer and restorative specifically yoga, um, there's this point of, wow, this is painful. This is painful. This is painful. And then there's this weird moment of bliss where you're like, well, you know what? Um, this feels great. And you were saying earlier, um, you know, you always got to make lemonade. Uh, 2020 has pushed us, tested us, but um, it's when you accept the pain mm. is kind of when things start feeling good. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think yeah. that, I think that might be the case. I certainly didn't enter into uh, this transition, which I will detail no further, uh, but this transition with, you know, it's just, it's, it's, to, I believe that 5% of life is what happens to you and 95% is how you react to it. Uh, and so, yeah, I just got a couple of 5% chunks this, this, <laughs> this year, but let's introduce, uh, you are, tell, please tell the people, the few that, that listen, who you are, uh, what you're about and introduce yourself, George. My name is George Yamin. I am a 33-year-old male in Southern California, Orange County. I met Kari at work. I'm into tech, uh, mindfulness, just nerdy things, anime, comics. I haven't read a comic book forever, though. Uh, reading, I love learning, and just doing... I, I, I do some side projects i just started a scholarship that that's probably one of the best things i did in 2020 a scholarship um, yeah a scholarship project with some friends um helping kids who have no access to um like i'm talking calculators like they're they're literally asking for a a 13 calculator for their test oh that's right i think you mentioned that to me that's in I, I'm going to say Syria, but am I way off? Yeah, you're right. Um, we opened it to all uh, like Syrian refugees, but it, 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 um, most of them came from the request came from there. And yeah, that, that's been one of the more fulfilling things. Um, I like to stay active. I like the outdoors. I like hiking. But uh, deep down, I'm a community driven person and I just love um you know, the, the most alive I feel is when I'm uh, working on something that 
is bettering society, I would say, humanity, mm. the community. Mm. So that's, I guess that's my self-ego <laughs> description of myself. Uh, well, I think yeah. that's part of what connected us. Uh, I would call you, I would call you a thinker. Uh, and a th- thinkers as thinkers aren't the average. Uh, and that's not to say that, that people don't think uh, just generally everybody's thinking all the time but people think think deeply um i'm trying to discern how much and what percentage of people think deeply about our human condition specifically so how many people don't just take for granted that we are water-based carbon-based blobs on a floating orb that popped out of we know what right I, i don't know what percentage of people take don't take the fact of our existence for granted. Um, but in my experience now, as I'm getting older, um, it's the minority. It's the minority. I don't know yeah, if it's a yeah. uh, 10%, 20%, 25%, 40%, but, uh, it's, but it's not most. Well, let me ask you this. Um, do you think <laughs> this is a, such a meta, meta question, but do you think thinking too much is problematic? Um, um, like it can cause more stress and anxiety when you overthink a situation versus just doing. And I think what you're you're kind of maybe striking at, at the population that maybe isn't mindful. I would call us maybe mindful thinkers, or at least that's how I'm trying to be more of it. You're certainly uh, doing that. Um, do, do you think thinking too much can be a problem? Yes, but I want to draw a distinction between the type of thinking that you're using that I agree that is a problem and the type of thinking that I think is seems to be uh, only occurring in a subset of the population. Uh, the thinking that is a problem, I would call that the I would call that deliberation and I would call that extended deliberation and possibly uh, paralyzing deliberation. So that makes me think of Chidi Aragonye from the show, uh, what's it called? Not Upload. The Good Place. Uh, Chidi Aragonye in Good Place. He was a philosopher who got sent to hell because he couldn't do anything because his, his chronic <laughs> indecision was actually a burden on the people in his life. Um, yeah. And so, yes, I think that can be a problem. But the type of thinking that I think is reserved or not, I don't want to say reserved, but just doesn't seem to occur in the, in the, in the majority. Uh, that is the, that is the productive questioning of our existence as it seems. And just most people don't seem to question our existence as it seems. We're, we're fleshy things on a floating orb. And there are other orbs blowing up around us that give us the energy to be. That's weird. That's crazy. But okay. Yeah, yeah, I remember as a kid. Oh no, I yeah, I could talk about this forever. But as a kid, I would look at the moon, and and this is like pre-internet. I'm, I'm dating myself here, but I think you can maybe even kind of relate. Like, you know, every so often they would talk on the news, like, oh, there's a solar eclipse or lunar, and you're like, wait, what? Like, wait, 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 hold the phone. You're telling me like the moon can block the sun at a certain angle, and I'm like, wait a second, like, what? Like, there's something bigger at play. Yeah. that isn't you know, me just going to school and come on. And that was like third grade, fourth grade. And I, and I would go outside. Like I would talk to kids. I'm like, do you see that thing in the sky? Like it, it shows up every single day. It's reliable. It's energy. And it's, it, it lights you and you can feel it on your skin, but you're, it's the sun. Like I, 
yeah, I don't know. It, it, there is so much of the um, things that I was so excited about as a kid. And I'm like, where are these people? Well, let me like when you got to college, I think you said you did your undergrad at UCLA. Like, hmm. did you feel like you found more of your tribe there of these thinkers than uh, certainly maybe more, uh, you know, than just being out there where you have people who are trying to be educated? Um, did oh. you feel that or let me ask you maybe even a better question where have you felt that you've um you've been around your tribe mostly i I did feel it uh i did feel a little bit more ucla but it wasn't in the general so my major was neuroscience and so those were the first people that i interacted with and those are the first people that i asked the questions these these i guess now looking back in hindsight these philosophical questions uh and even neuroscientists didn't have an abundance of philosophers, uh, even in the discipline. And so where I did find common ground was not in the philosophy groups, although I found people in the philosophy groups in the, in the, um, organized official philosophy groups, people like philosophy majors, for instance, uh, I found a lot of people trying to imitate that way of being, but where I found real philosophers was in an impromptu, uh, philosophy club so extracurricular oh i think maybe there were a couple of philosophy majors there but we were actually mixed disciplines uh one guy was econ i was neuroscience we were it was just an impromptu uh philosophy club we went to the sculpture garden i think on i want to say tuesdays and thursdays at about sundown uh so late afternoon four or five and we would just sit around and talk and that was where i found that group it just where everybody was in that space uh in the space of of not taking anything for granted uh, not taking the words we use, not taking the customs we've inherited, not taking the thoughts we think or the emotions we feel as ground truth, but, but just understanding that the very concept of truth must go deeper than what we're experiencing from one moment to the next. And we were all on that wavelength, and, and that's that's where I found uh, that real camaraderie. Was this a club at UCLA? It wasn't, it wasn't an official club. It was an impromptu. It was a, it was a philosophy meetup but it wasn't a meetup in the official you know meetup is a real thing yeah it was just yeah. it was just a, an unofficial philosophy club uh we just and it was on the sculpture garden tuesdays and thursdays i want to say uh in the late afternoon maybe about How'd eight of us it? a buddy of mine mm-hmm. heard about it and then told me to come oh that's so yeah. cool um <laughs> yeah that you was know it. i i think okay when people and ah, man kari i feel so bad for i think the people who got affected I mean, a lot of people got affected in 2020, but the people who got hit hard were students. Um, mm. You know, this Zoom learning is not the thing, but, you know, people, there, there's a big argument of why, why should I go to college? Well, you know, it's that kind of thing you just said. Mm. Um, one of the best things um, I that I got value from my college experience was um, uh, uh, going to all these different clubs. Um, mm. And, you know, there was a club, you know, religion, science, there was a club for anything. They had a club day where like you would, all these tables were out. And, and I think, you know, if your campus has one, do not hesitate, go to it, talk to everybody. Um, It's, that's where I, I I also met a similar group um, and it was very kind of casual and it was just a group of people who, you know, shared similar interests. And I'm like, wow, like, yeah, yeah, here, here we are. Like, and, and it's not just a club. You make friends out of them and then with them. And then, you know, 
Yeah, as we've done, <laughs> as, as you and I have done, it's a way of, it's a way of moving through the. To me, it's the examined life. Uh, so when I was in at Long Beach City College, uh, I transferred to UCLA from Long Beach City College, and when I was at City College, I read that phrase. I guess it was in a philosophy class of that a life unexamined is not worth living, uh, and so I suppose whatever the context, other context around that was in, it struck me. I think in the way it was intended to strike. Uh, listeners the first time i read it i said oh oh i it, it hit me on a deep level um and i just haven't tried to live i i ceased living an unexamined life pretty much at that moment um hmm. yeah it's it's crazy man <laughs> we're 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 we don't know what this is uh you know i've come to a definition of god that that i just call it an operational de- definition of god thanks to jordan peterson uh, and this isn't his definition, not by a long shot, but mine is the infinite origin of things. So whatever, wherever, whatever exists in my estimation has to come from something because nothing. So if you imagine nothing, imagine a, a space that has nothing in it. I mean, absolutely nothing in it. So what can come out of that space? The answer is nothing. If we truly imagine what nothing means, if there's nothing there, nothing can come from it because there's nothing there for it to come from. Uh, mm-hmm. And so in order for there to be anything, there must first be something in order for that thing mm-hmm. to come from. Uh, and then mm-hmm. that quickly creates the infinite regression. Well, what did that come from? What did that come from? What did that come from? And that's what I call God, the infinite origin of things. Uh, just And I'm, I'm comfortable calling that God. And I think a lot of people call that God. I'm not religious, uh, but I'm comfortable using it that way. The great unknown that um, we try to figure out, but I don't think we ever... Will, gosh, can you imagine the day we do figure that out or like, you know, here's the answer, like, oh, we're in a simulator. Um, How would, even if we had that data, like, how would you change the way you live your life, if at all? (laughs) I've never thought about this. I'm just spitballing this with you right now um if they if they told me if they showed me exactly the what base reality was composed of um would it change the way i operate probably probably not unless they unless they swapped out so it's my it's my contention these days that the moral compass that the shared moral compass comes from the genetic code that if there is if there are overlapping moral directions then that then those where they are the same across cultures and individuals that comes from shared genetic code Uh, i would suspect i don't know this to be true but i would suspect that that's the case and so if upon revealing to me the actual structure of base reality upon which all things rest it mm-hmm. did some sort of epigenetic transformation of my genetic code, or I, or if I cease to be based on carbon genetics, <laughs> if it changes my yeah. nature that way, then I'll probably be very different. But I think as long as I've got, as long as I've got, I don't know, thirty-two gigabytes it's... of human DNA, or however long <laughs> the strain is, uh, as long as I've got that running my my systems, I would imagine I'd be very much human. I, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, you know, hey, you're in the matrix. You know, you're in the matrix, but you can't get out so like how 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 are you going to even change your life would you i don't think anyone really would 
I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think the scientific community, if they were like, oh, here's literal proof we're in a simulation or whatever you want to call it, um, then, you know, there would be tons of research to try to maybe not figure out how to get out, but like figuring out, I, I think a lot of, you know, billions of dollars would, trillions maybe, would go towards, you know, that fear of, you know, research section. I don't I even know what it would be like, how to break that fourth wall or whatever you want to call it. But I think the average person wouldn't do anything different. Yeah, I, I think you're asking would would we cease to will to power, right? I'm very much a I'm very much in the camp of that will to power is the base human instinct. Uh, I th I think that's the best description of. It. I think the base human I think the base human instinct is survival. Uh, I think the base human instinct is replication uh, and continuation of the species. Uh, I think that we've inherited that from RNA. So what did the very first successful strand of RNA do? It made a mirror copy of itself. And then what did that one do? It made a mirror copy of itself, which was an identical copy of the first string uh, in the chemical soup from which we arise, right? And so that, I think that we've inherited that, that principle of I will continue to resist dissolution and I will create copies of myself that themselves continue to resist dissolution into the infinite future. Uh, and I think Nietzsche called that the will to power. I uh, I like that definition more, that description more than others. And so I think that's what we'll do as long as we continue to be human. Uh, the, <laughs> the question is, how do we? The question is, I, th I think an interesting question is, how do we live with each other? Uh, how do how do those people who find out more details about base reality then behave towards the other people that don't know? My guess is they keep it from them and sell them pieces. <laughs> I think that's what they do. Uh, I, yeah, no comment. I'm not sure. <laughs> what, uh, how is, how are your day tasks right now? Um, you know, I, I was working from home even before, uh, COVID, but, um, it's hard to shut off work sometimes. Uh, but I've been trying to incorporate more, um, yoga and qigong in the morning nice uh, it's a good way and it, it's kind of stems from what we were talking about it's a good way to not think when you're you know i'm giving my mind and body positions and exercises to 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 put in like to focus on and when i put my focus on that physically it it, it frees me up to just mindfully at, at, attempt to mindfully get go through my day with not overthinking things mm. and i had it's been working quite well for me but um yeah typical wake up journal uh meetings um try to do some sort of exercise or walk in the morning um then yeah <laughs> lately it's it is kind of getting a little uh, boring, but uh, I've had a few, you know, groups of people that I trust and I see um, safely with the mask or whatever, or have them over. Um, but I, I feel like I'm sick of watching TV and a little bit sick of reading because I can't. 
God, that's weird to say. I still do read. I don't. I know people sometimes, you know, don't audiobooks aren't reading, but um, I don't consider them reading. I just think it's okay. no. I I call it uh, <laughs> it's listening, right? It's a different activity. That'd be like saying that uh, it, you know, if I told you that, you know, if I told you that I I painted a picture, but I was using a pencil, you wouldn't say, well, you didn't paint that, you drew it, right? <laughs> I heard a good tweet from naval who i love uh on twitter it's like some i'm gonna butcher it but it's like audiobooks is like smoothies oh gosh yeah audiobooks are like vegetable smoothies like you know instead of reading the book and getting the nutrients you're throwing all the vegetables in a blender and blending them and drinking it and calling it healthy it's not the same you don't get the same density of information slash nutrients but it's it's something. I mean, if you're inspired to take a task or look, you know, dive in deeper and learn, I mean, I don't. I think it's still. It's had good benefits for me. It's better yeah. than not reading. It's certainly it's certainly beneficial. I just wouldn't call it reading in terms of the verb, right? Uh, if someone's mm-hmm. walking, you wouldn't say that they're running, and if they're running, no. you wouldn't say that they're walking. It's just that reading is sure. reading means looking at symbols. Uh, Paint or uh, looking at constructed symbols that aren't that have that has no audio component, interpreting those symbols with my eyes and then reconstructing their meaning in my brain by looking at the symbols. That's what reading yeah. is as a as a verb. That's it. <laughs> audio books are yeah. great. They're beneficial. They're beautiful things. I just I'm just careful about the verb. That's it. Yeah, no, you nailed it. Uh, you got it. Um, but uh, I've been trying really hard to just keep occupied with just side projects like. Uh, I opened up, I have a little gym in my garage and I opened it up to my neighbors and friends. And now I have about like 15 people a month who, you know, contribute and clean it and bring their equipment. And it's been so freaking fun. (laughs) That's crazy. That's so cool. Oh, oh, it is. And like, you know, so many, so many of them like, Hey, can I give you money? Can I give you money? I'm like, no. And it's not because I, I mean, who doesn't like money, but it's not, it's not about that. Like, first of all, I don't want any barriers of entry for you to be a healthier person. First, mm. second, when you do this, you really push people to to pay it forward somewhere else. I'm mm. a very firm believer in that, um, and I can't tell you how much it's that's you know already translated into like my gym. Like, people have brought more equipment. They'll bring waters. I I just put a fridge in there. Like people are putting stuff in the fridge. Like it's a, that's one of the most beautiful things. uh, Just watching a community contribute and help, help each other. Um, Another one of those things I've been spending my days a lot on has been um, a project. And if you want to find it on Instagram, it's Syrian Christian Scholarship. The reason I pick Syrians and Christians is because that's my cultural identity, which is very niche uh, in uh, the Middle Eastern communities. And um, and um, I, I, it's really a, a push to get my community to help uh, the uh, the people who who just who who just want to learn. That's it's uh, I can talk about this forever because. I Dude. carry these stories with me. Um, it's messed up, man. Like, you know, I, I, I really simple created an Instagram, created a Google form, minimal marketing. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, 
got 30 plus applicants who are writing long stories about, you know, losing loved ones, losing people in wartime, uh, losing friends from just moving because everyone's, you know, leaving uh, Syria, which is a civil war plus a war, like a regular war plus like sanctions. It, and then plus, a you know, a pandemic like it is if you thought it couldn't get worse, it's literally getting worse. Mm. And um, yeah, these people are inspiring me big time. Like um, there was one moment in there. Um, I was we were, you know, we we're video calling them to verify who they are, hear their story. And uh, there's one lady who just. Just took the 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 air out of me like just um she was so inspiring she writes she's writing books she's uh studying to be an architect and um and there was this moment there that i have never experienced in any i'm 33 i feel i thought i've experienced a lot of emotions but i have not um there was an emotion there that I'm going to try to put into words where there was like a, Oh crap, this is bigger than, um, this is bigger than me. First of all, I, and then also I had a partner in there. His name was Brian. He's excellent. He's also, he gives a shit about community and he wants to help. Uh, and he's pushing me and I push him and we we're trying. Um, and he was there and he's, you know, he's asking the right questions. And we're interviewing this lady and she's just telling us like her life. But anyways, there was this moment, Kari, where ooh, uh, I felt a light inside me. I, I, I like, and it just got, I, I, I don't know how you can explain feeling a light, but like I close my eyes, I feel this big light in my heart area. And like, there's these just spikes coming out of it. And it just, I, I it, like, it's kind of like, um, you know, what we're doing is bigger than what we're actually doing here like we're trying to you know see how we can help this lady with her future she's obviously bright she wants to give back this, so the one of the, the prize was 500 bucks 500 american dollars she's like hey guys i don't want 500 give me 226 uh, uh just only give me 226 that's all i need for this quarter like they're not like these people are blowing me away they're not asking for a lot and yeah, it, it just breaks your heart, breaks my heart. But like at that moment, I knew with that lady that we're not done. W whatever work we're doing with her and and all these other people, we we actually picked five people total. We couldn't, we actually couldn't just pick one. It was hmm. way too hard. Um, but yeah, you thought if you think you felt things, you we haven't. <laughs> I I don't know if you've had that feeling, but yeah, I could talk about that for days. But yeah, these side projects have been um, a big thing that. Um, I've been trying to productively spend my time with lately. I think that's beautiful. Uh, I think it sounds to me like you are a helper. Uh, it sounds to me like helping in the heavy sense. I'm not talking about help in the, you know, move my robe to a different couch so the so the cat can sit down. Help. I'm talking about <laughs> give me 300 American dollars. It isn't much to you, but it can make a difference for the rest of my life. Help. Right. So help in the major sense. Uh, and it sounds like you're excited about helping. Oh, uh, yeah. That's not everyone. That's not me, to, to be absolutely frank. Uh, I'm coming but, from the other end of the spectrum. So, why not, though? I mean, like, you know, me. 
but but like you know if we think about it like somehow globally or just humanity we're investing i'm trying to invest in humanity like you know i know we talk about like stocks and finance and stuff like yeah you put money and you invest and you know maybe something happens whatever and, and don't get me wrong sometimes it blows up and you did great and you you maybe saved yourself a year of uh, or you bought yourself a year of financial freedom that's great because you know you can do whatever you want with that time like um you know bought that totally valid but man investing in people and relationships has m the best compound interest i think um and that's what it comes down to like um i like you know the people i work with i actually give a shit about them i want to know what they're going through i want to know how i can help and maybe in a way there's a selfish reason because in a way that makes my life more fulfilling and easier and it feels it just feels right well i mean I, but that's I that's what i'm keyed on is that you feel it uh the end of the spectrum that i'm coming from is deeply selfish uh, i'm an only child i was raised an only child i mean i love my family don't get me wrong but i didn't know what it meant to feel physically feel care for another person until i was 23 uh, <laughs> it was one day i was watching my buddy harold and harold if you ever hear hear this i hope you're doing well my friend uh it was my buddy harold i was watching him come he was coming from one job he had two jobs he was a um he was an auto auction driver so someone who drove the car up to make it available for auction and drove it away you know drove it on and off the auction stage uh during the day and then at night he was a valet and he was working so hard to get back into his kid's life. Uh, and he was my friend and he was uh, coming home one day and he was running through the front door and he was taking off his auction clothes as he was running down the hallway because he had to get in the shower and get into his valet uniform to get back out of the house. And I, watching him do this, felt positive emotions run electricity through my body. And it was 23 and that was the first time in my life where I had mm. felt positive emotions based on somebody else's situation that had nothing to do with me. First time wow. at 23. <laughs> so I'm coming from the opposite wow. end of the spectrum. I've had to learn to care. Uh, I'm not inherently, I'm not an inherently caring person. Uh, I'm, you know, and I'm not afraid to say that in public because I'm 36 now. That was 13 years ago. I've matured quite a bit. Uh, I know what it is to care, uh, but I'm not inherently caring. I'm inherently selfish. Uh, give me the right, give me the right context and I'm a villain. Oh, that's for sure. Okay. Fair enough. I, I, uh, that, you know, you're mindful and you're mindful of it. That's great. I don't, I, there's so, uh, man, there's so many selfish people, um, that will just take advantage of you. Oh, not will do right. There's there. I'm not the only one who was born with this disposition. I'm just happy that I've my, the circumstances of my life has been such that I've woken up to this disposition well, as a harmful one and am working yeah. to correct it. Not just, well, not Oh, this is the way of the world. I'm a psychopath and I'm going to run a fortune 500 and damn my employees. <laughs> that is scary. By the way, I've uh, like some of those selfish levels mm -hmm. and psychopathic level, but, but you, you don't, you know, I wasn't attracted to your energy and vibe if, uh, like with, um, like I, 
I don't feel drained after I interact or talk with you. Um, there's that type of selfish person mm. who they just come up to you, they get what they want, mm. and they leave. Mm. They, they're That's they're done. You're, you're you know. So you, you, maybe you, your self definition of selfish, I I get it, but I don't. If if it's on a tier list, you're not bad. At oh, it. that's um, fine. I appreciate what you're saying. Yeah. That's very kind of you. Thank you. Uh, I'm oh, using sorry. the word selfish to describe my my original orientation uh, to contrast with people uh, like yourself who do feel positive emotions based on other people's situations that aren't directly to their own benefit. I didn't that I didn't spend my adolescence that way. No no emotion that I felt in my teenage years was based on somebody else's situation just on their situation. It was always in relation to what does this mean for me? If I felt fear, it's because I was going to get in trouble. It's because something was going to go bad for me. If I felt joy, it was because something was coming good my way. It was never just mm-hmm. for someone else's. You know, if, if somebody else said, when I was a teenager, somebody else said, hey, I'm getting a new car and my dad's coming back into my life. I'd say, hey, good for you. And then I'd feel terrible because my dad wasn't in mine. Right. I couldn't mm-hmm. I couldn't just feel good for them uh, mm-hmm. and have that be its own thing. It <laughs> wasn't until uh, my early mm-hmm. 20s that I developed that ability. You know, wow. Um, I, you know, you could talk about I don't even know how you would say this, like emotional growth. Um, you know, there's some people that are just, you know, so emotionally intelligent with um, relationships, friendships. Um, and then there's, you know, some people don't learn it until 30, 35. Some people never learn. Some people like, never learn it. Learn yeah. Negotiate or they don't learn how to break up or they don't, know how to keep things on good terms or uh, yeah i I think it's learning that um and there's a french word for it there's uh, maybe it's french there's one word for it i think in french but it's the sense that whatever you feel the depth of your feel feelings and the depth of your experience and the depth of your life and all these things that and the profundity of of your thoughts in different contexts that you can appreciate because you have appreciated them your whole life also exist in every other person to equal magnitude yeah. uh, you have to realize that you have to learn that uh, and some people never learn it uh, too bad for them <laughs> yeah. it's better to understand yeah. that uh you know we're all beautiful we're all beautiful it's just about discovering that beauty and articulating it and describing it and uh yeah yep yep what are your plans for the scholarship Five year, ten year, fifteen oh, year. Boy, um, wow, you are good. You're good. I like these questions. Um, I haven't thought about it too much. Try just my best to do my best in the moment and give it all I can. Um, I would love to meet a lot of these people. Mm. There, I would love to work with them. Um, the big thing I'm trying to do, you know, I picked Syrian Christian as, a, you know, the first. I really, I do care. I do really do care. But, you know, if there's someone with the same kind of situation next door, I, I would do the same thing. Um, uh, but five, ten years, I, I, I would still see this going. I, I actually don't think I'll stop. I mean, it's just, it's just so fulfilling. 
it, it is kind of like chasing the dragon, that feeling or of, of chasing that high. Um, it's not like I'm trying to replicate that feeling. But the five ten year plan, um, I would love to create a community out of these these people. So um, these people, not I wouldn't. Some are outliers, maybe might be outliers, but what they are are uh, individuals who and who have thought and um, who had to have become who had to be resourceful in solving the problem. And they're going to be in positions in the future where they quote unquote shouldn't be, you know, um, those, whenever you meet those kind of people and you'll know who they are, um, you'll be like, Hey, you know, you're at this company, but you don't look or talk like all these other people or dress like them, Mm. but there's something about you. I like more because you know, you, 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 you took a non-traditional path to get here. Mm. Um, I'm getting a lot of these ideas from a book called Skin in the Game by Nassim Taleb. I, I, I know we've talked about that a little bit. Um, but uh, five, ten years, I mean, I would love to get, I mean, to say to do it full-time would be awesome. Mm. Like, if it was just my job to do that, that would be great. I don't think I'm the best person for it, but I'll do it. Uh, I, you know, I, it's coming from the heart. It's, it's meaningful. Um, but um I don't know. I would love to meet a lot of them. I would love to create a community, a, a, a group where they can all interact. And, um, but really, my goal with this is to, to try to inspire people, too, to do, do something um, in their own community. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not saying I would like a school or something, but that would be cool. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but something, something out there. Um, where did you learn to value education? Was it your folks? Was it just your own experience? You know, we grew up with the internet and the internet just opened literally the the world's knowledge at your fingertips. Mm. I mean, anything it's, it's almost annoying when you're in a conversation. It's like, Oh, hold on. Let me Google that. It's like, Oh gosh, can you, yes. Yeah. We, but you don't need to know everything. <laughs> can we just can not know for a few seconds? Can yeah, we exactly. just, can like, we just exist in the ignorance for five seconds? Yeah, we know we can know yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, gosh. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, man, when the internet hit and I was so lucky, Wikipedia took off during, when I was in college mm. and that I think <laughs> um, that some of those Wikipedia pages did a better job than, you know, teachers and whatever. But um, yeah, where did I get the, the, I mean, I wasn't great at grade school. Mm. And I think I was bored in high school. I was kind of getting better, but when I hit college and I was around a lot, like lots of people that I felt were smarter than me, I was like, wow, I want to get on that level. Uh, they know things. They can build things. They're building, you know, um, these. There's a mechanical engineering group building, you know, these mini cars. And, uh, you know, there's these en- electrical engineers and computer scientists building um, these micro mouses that can go through mazes, like, without any pre programming because they'll just learn to do it. And they do content. I'm like, what the heck? Like, you know, I want to learn how to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think my first year when I moved out was huge. Like, I couldn't believe, you know, I, it was my first time just getting out of the shell. Um, 
of my, you know, suburban life and um, being exposed to so many different types of people from all over California, some all over the states and, and just hearing their stories and then seeing what they thought what was going to be their passion and their major that they picked to want to learn. It was in that first year of college where, um, and I went in, I didn't even know what I was doing. So that I was just like, oh my gosh, like I gotta ask everyone because you know I know I'm supposed to be in college because of the time like that's what I'm supposed to be doing um, to to be a better human and get a better higher paid job. Um, so there was this curiosity of like there was this curiosity of trying to figure out what the best things to study, but I don't know, man. I just I I. It blows my mind that people don't want to read books or don't want to learn. Like it just like we, you and me, you and I, Kari, can learn more than all of our ancestors combined today. Did you know that? We could learn, like you know, we could wiki all the things they could never. Like we are such a, in a, an amazing spot. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm pretty, you know, pretty sure like like the ancestors of ours or whatever that build the pyramids, like. There's some ancient engineering knowledge that got lost. That we'll I got gotcha, you. Know. I got gotcha, you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But but like we can learn more than any person before us in a you know ten year you know like it's just easier. It's getting better. It's like it it and just when you learn something, you're like, oh well, obviously sugar is bad for me. I didn't know that because all these commercials told me cereal and breakfast are amazing. You read the the freaking label and it's like seventeen. 20 why do i feel like shit every morning oh because i'm putting this freaking toxin in my body so like you learn you feel better you learn you feel better like ah uh, it's fucking you're not you know i i it just who wouldn't want their lives to be better and how else do you do it without experimenting and learning I, i'm not sure i just you're right it, it kind of stems from that people who don't um think too hard about things and just they love living the script that was given to them. Well, I'll tell you, curiosity, uh, to the extent that it's uh, natural, which it is, it's very natural, our American public education system squashes curiosity. And so for for all but the people with the strongest uh, natural curiosity that is also nurtured at home, it gets squashed away. Uh, and, you know, some people don't have very strong curiosity. So so there are some people who just aren't going to be curious. No matter how much you try to light that fire in them, it's not going to come in them. Um, yeah. Hey, and they're, they're living their lives. They're making their choices. More power to you. Uh, but I think there are a lot of people who would be curious. But the world then says to them, society then says to them, stop that. Learn to make money. Uh, make money and then die. And then they go, okay, and then they struggle to make money, and then they try to give some of their kids, and then they die. And then they go, this was as curious as I could ever get. Uh, Maybe they wanted to be more curious, but we don't have have a society that that rewards curiosity well. Um, and we could, we could do much better. We could do much better. And so that's what, that's what I'm hearing from you is that you have a curiosity. And when you hit, uh, when you hit undergrad, then not only was the internet 
and Wikipedia and, and the age of information uh, hitting its stride, you were also of the age where curiosity can be yeah. heightened and you have a natural curiosity. <laughs> so for you, there's yeah. this threefold opening of, oh, the world's amazing. How can, <laughs> how can you yeah. come down and, from that, right? Oh, gosh. And and to even step back, you know, uh, the, you, you know you, the people you meet, the, go to your professor's office hour. You're literally getting an hour of a genius, you know, someone who spent five, 10 plus years just learning this damn niche, you're going to be smarter or, you know, maybe like just being in their presence and trying to have a conversation for them for 15 minutes. That's something that blew my mind. I would go to all these office hours mm. um, and I needed to, I was struggling as a student. It was hard for me, but I would go to these office hours and I would have conversations like this with the professors. And I'm like, wow, like, you know, you know, there's, they have to make a scheduled time to do. Yeah. So, you know, that you're right. It was just this, um, all the stars aligning kind of thing. And, um, just propelled the curiosity, I think even more. That's a fire. It's a beautiful fire. Uh, I actually, as you were talking, I thought of, I thought of the relationship between, I thought of the relationship between curiosity and the cat. Uh, and how we, you know, we are curious and we should be curious, but there's also that black ball problem. Um, I'm, I'm not going to be able to attribute it to the person that it belongs to, but there's some thought experiment that says, what if every piece of knowledge is a ball on a black to white scale? And most of them are gray. Uh, actually most of them are white, right? Which means innocuous. Most things you can know are innocuous uh, and then you're going to pull out and some are going to be medium gray da, 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 da. but what if in this box there are black balls that when you pull them out when you learn them just learning them means the end of your species uh, you know this is so this is something like oh this is how you make a nuke in your kitchen right if we oh, learned okay. how to make a nuke in the kitchen <laughs> we're dead we're just we're yeah. immediate because it only takes three idiots yeah. uh to go make the nukes and then we're done uh, yeah I don't know. That's what oh. I thought of. <laughs> as you, as yeah, we were talking about, as we were seeing the merits yeah. of curiosity, let's all remember the story of the cat. Uh, uh, yes. And I'm, I'm sure you're like, you've heard of CRISPR and, you know, being able to kind of program DNA. And oh, yeah. And I'm a ookla. I'm a Bruin. Of course I heard of CRISPR. You know, it came from oh, okay. uh, UCLA. Oh, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, but that stuff's getting kind of scary. And, um, there's a really good uh, podcast called um, Reed, uh, Reed Hoffman After Dark. Um, okay. And he, he interviews one specific person. I think it's Naval, who I mentioned earlier. So, uh, and um, they talk about... You seem a little further away from the mic you know, now. Oh, yeah, sorry. Here we go. Um, is that better? Yeah. Okay. Um, they, uh, they talk about um, you know, they compared the example of the, this person was, I think, a master's student um, who uh, shot up the theater at the premiere of the third Batman movie. Okay, uh, yeah. Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that was an educated person who, you know, took the tools, it seems like the most powerful tools you know he had a semi-automatic 
um, and, uh, you know, tried to take as many lives as he could. Mm. But if that person had CRISPR capable abilities and took it to the evil side, mm. yeah, this is really effing scary, man. I mean, um, we're not that far away from that kind of stuff either. Um, and we've, we're obviously seeing how bad a biological weapon can, a biological thing can affect our entire <laughs> humanity. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that I would imagine is uh, I, something I hope to see, like a big government push on, maybe not regulations, but like just a kind of um, safety net or like just a, just some thought into how to counteract these kinds of things that may be problems. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe. I think they're doing, but it's not governmental. Uh, I think they're doing a good job. So I think on the internet, there have been published certain things uh, that are kind of like the nuke in the kitchen analogy, but they're they're real, and I, and I think they're in the bioweapon space. But the people that know that they're there, they just have stopped talking about it, right? The ones that know where they are and how to find them or whatever, they just don't talk about it. They don't describe them in detail. They don't say exactly what it is. They just will admit, I've heard it admitted, that yes, we know that something like, I don't know, maybe the, the genetic formula for smallpox to be manufactured in a lab or something like this. And, you know, I don't think it's smallpox, but something like this. That it's out there. Uh, that, that we're already in the zone of black balls wow. when it comes to internet. But people tend to not want to go there uh and so i guess this is me having faith uh, i guess you could call it uh in our <laughs> desire to continue uh and so for me my moral north star is humans humans everywhere uh, that's how i articulate what i want i want humans on the surface of the moon humans on the surface of mars humans oh, okay. with a dyson spear humans in alpha centauri humans in andromeda right just everywhere yep. um humans humans everywhere and so i think most to, of us feel hedge. that but is that is that are you trying to say to hedge our bets against a catastrophic earth ending event no there's no hedging just having faith that we won't do oh. it <laughs> just saying you know what uh, let's give the people freedom, and if we nuke ourselves, it was a failed experiment. Uh, but I don't think we're going to nuke ourselves. Uh, I think if we give people freedom, that will actually invent the Dyson sphere and will actually become multiplanetary and will actually do beautiful things. I think the more beautiful side of human development will win out given sufficient amounts of freedom. Um, I mean, I I agree. Um, I think. You know, a lot of these problems, or I wouldn't say problems, but the just from like a mathematical point of view, it's going to take just one person who goes rogue, right? That pulls the the trigger or pushes the button, or one. It's going to take that, one person, but also a series of events, uh, right? It, yes, so the nuke in the kitchen, I think, does also fall into failure in in real scenario in which what do they do they have to carry the thing are they are for instance are they themselves going to try to survive the blast if that's the case then it inputs a whole host of hurdles that they have to uh, overcome in order to send it off now if they're just on a suicide mission geez louise 
I hadn't even thought of that before saying it. But suicide yeah. bombers with a nuke. Holy crap. We're all in trouble. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, I mean, if some, I, I would imagine if someone, well, I don't really know, but I would think those kinds of people would also be the types of people Jeez. to end it to. Yeah. Unimaginable, I mean, you, unimaginable terror. Well, I mean, yeah, it's like, you know, it comes down to, you know, if you truly love yourself, if you truly try and make that a priority, you it, it's so, it becomes so much easier to love other people. Mm. At least this is what I feel or think. And these people, um, I don't know if they... You know, there's some, there's, there's horrible stories of, you know, didn't grow up in a good family or no family, um, just had the, just had, just had the, the bad hand dealt to them. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know what? Some people, uh, go out alone committing suicide and, and come at peace with it. And then you have some people who want to take out as many people, (laughs) In, on the pro, in the process and um that's you know that's scary um yeah um yep great great topics here <laughs> <laughs> well there's uh, for me there's there's no uh nothing off limits i mean that's actually i said that in my in my introduction one day to one of our team yeah. members i said look uh i'm a I'm a philosopher, so if you come to any curious questions, uh, I said the the worse the better. That's, <laughs> that's the phrase I wow. used. The worse the better. Yeah. You know, to go back to these characters that could go rogue, I think it just comes back to their. You know, you're saying humans everywhere, humans everywhere. Mm-hmm. I agree, but I not to sound hippie, but I, it's love. Like if these people felt love, they wouldn't want to do that they wouldn't want to kill others and kill themselves like um there's i i am getting nervous about this like culture of you know being hyper connected but feeling alone at home or feeling alone around people because um it's disconnecting us from each other um and it's creating this void of depression and anxiety and i am nervous i don't think there's enough love in the world i don't think there is um how do you think we can improve that um i have never thought about this but i would imagine I mean, the first thought was, what if we taught it in schools, but you can't teach really love teach in that. schools? I, I don't think so. I don't know. Um, there's a very good TED talk about is empathy as empathy is a skill. Um, I'm not saying empathy is required for love. I think it kind of is. Um, there's some, by the way, love is this word that could have a hundred different words that mean different things like the way i love my cake is different the way i love my mom you know like there's but um um how can you teach people to love was that the question it's a good one it just kind of threw me out yeah i mean you're 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 
claim uh, was that there's not enough love going around. I think so. Oh, I think. How do we get more? Uh, okay, I I got it. I mean, um, I think it starts with just yourself. Um, you can't truly love someone else or anything fully unless you you've done it to yourself first. Um, how can you teach that? I mean, health. Uh, it, doing things that are scientifically proven to make you feel better and be a, you know, uh, a functional, successful person in life um, is a start. Um, I would, that's where I would start books, uh, healthy eating, mindfulness, yoga, meditation. Um, and I, I have by no means have like figured out the internal things and problems and whatnot, but there's, it starts there. Once it, once, once you've conquered that, you, loving someone else is so easy. You like, you can't help but to see yourself in other people and it just becomes kind of, um, second nature. Um, it just, it feels like the right thing to do. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I hear what you're saying. You're saying that uh, we can offset the the large scale lack of love by introducing small scale improvements in the ability to love earlier in time, such that some murderous twenty eight year old yes. doesn't come to exist because instead of that fourteen year old that got rebuked by a girl and then went home lock and key to an empty house. That 14 year old went home to an older sister that said, Hey, what's going on? Talk to me. And just those interventions earlier could manage could, could uh, pay a, a return on interest much greater than, than the mm-hmm. initial investment. Yes. Yes. I can dig it. I can dig it. Uh, I would offer basic, uh, basic income as a step towards more love in society. Uh, now, of course, Yo. basic basic income is my answer for everything. Uh, I think it's <laughs> – that's not to say that I think it's going to fix everything. But I think it's the mm-hmm. next best step that we can take towards these ends. Because uh, when I imagine how do we get more love in society, my response to that is, well, we need more – we need people who love each other to spend more time together. That's how you get more love in society. You let mm-hmm. me kick it with my mom more often. You let him kick it with his sister more often and the reverse, right? You, you let us spend time with the people we love more often. We become better at being loving and it, and it multiplies that way. Uh, I'm arguing for attentional autonomy for all American citizens. I think that people's time and attention yeah. should be assumed to be their own. I th- currently, the assumption in our society is this. You have time and attention. If you want to own your time and attention one day, you have to first successfully sell your time and attention. That's that's the current paradigm. You have to sell your time and attention in order to earn your right to own your own time and attention, maybe if you do it good enough. But if you don't do a good job, you're going to end up selling your time and attention your whole life. Um, I'm against that. I'm against that paradigm. Okay. I, I want to ask a question about, uh, you know, spending more time with people can would you say oh gosh if you can measure love let's just say you could measure love in the world uh and you could and if you compare 2019 to 2020 would you say there was more would you say there's more love 
which year would you say is more likely? Because you know, according to that, you know, people are having to spend more time with their immediate circles, and the more cycles and mental bandwidth you're putting there is, you're you're kind of hitting, you're kind of either always coming back to rooted problems, but you you have the luxury of the time to deal with them. Do you think 2020 is a more loving year than 2019? If you could kind of. I don't think 2020 is a more loving year than 2019 because even though we have more time, it's alone time to what you already procured. I can't. I'm. I may have more free time, but I can't go to my mom's house. I can't go to my my cousin's house. Uh, I can't go see any of my people, right? And so I may have more free time, but it, I have. I've had no more time to improve my relationships more than what I can do over the phone, over the internet. Yeah. 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 But but also uh, to that point, love is a quantity, much like truth, right? How much truth exists in the world? There's no there's no box and cap we're going to be able to to really put on it. Um, are you familiar with Sam Harris's moral landscape? So Sam Harris's moral landscape is about trying to use science to discover a set of behaviors, a cultural behaviors that give rise to objectively higher levels of well-being. Uh, and I think I think it's a project worth pursuing. Um, I you know I'm part of the Sam Harris Club, <laughs> so awesome. put me on that list. So if anyone's going to be able to spearhead that effectively and doing so much great work, have you, have you used this app? Waking um, up? Yeah. 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 The best streak I ever had, I think was three days, which isn't much. <laughs> I had no, a streak. Good. He's good. He, he's very good. Like, oh he, yeah. He, he, he'll like, you know, so it's a guided meditation app and, um, takes you through different courses or whatever, and but he'll also at the end of sessions, but even someone in the beginning will like kind of you know drop some truth bombs, and they're like, oh wow, that makes a lot of sense. Um, no, he's he's executing on all front podcast books. Pretty pretty cool to watch, honestly. Yeah, Sam is actually one of my. I think Sam was my first intellectual intellectual inspiration um so i discovered sam right after the end of faith came out Uh, i was an undergraduate at the time and i read the end of faith or and i was actually leaving spiritual but not religion a spiritual but not religious type of social group so i was my friends at the time uh, when i discovered sam were spiritual but not religious where we all would use god and talk about what god and this and this but we did but but my god didn't have to be your god right it was just this kind of I don't know, secular spirituality. I don't know what you want to call it. But that was the dominant belief. But then one day, I thought to myself, I said, you know what? I'm going to look for God. Uh, I'm going to really look for him. And as I was looking for God, uh, I decided to look in the subatomic because I figured I wouldn't be able to get to the macrocosmic anytime soon. Uh, but but the subatomic was right here next to me. So I said, I'm going to look for God here. And in my search, I discovered Richard Dawkins. <laughs> I discovered Richard Dawkins say, the reason you can't find God at your fingertips is because he isn't there. And I said, whoa, people can't talk like that. You can't say that. You can't say there's no God. Uh, And so I read The God Delusion, and I was very pleased to hear this Englishman say in no uncertain terms that he didn't think there was a God there. He, You know, he said that, look, 
you're all atheists in regards to 99% of the world's religions. I'm just atheist in, in regards to 100 of them, right? Uh, <laughs> and I thought that was really cool. So from Richard Dawkins, then I looked up, or I was watching this movie, some documentary. I forget what it was called. But uh, Sam was a guest in this documentary. And he said that people who think that they hear God objectively, this isn't, you know, this is true. Objectively, we have to treat those people the same way we treat people who say they hear aliens. Objectively. If you say you hear voices in your head, it doesn't matter where the voices are from. We have to treat you the same way. Uh, and I thought that was bold, a bold, courageous thing to say. So I looked him up. So I read the end of faith. Uh, I read everything he had written uh, after, since then up to... Islam and the Future of Tolerance. I haven't read that. By then, I'd heard several hours of lecture on Islam, so I didn't feel like I had much to gain from reading the book. Um, yeah, Sam was my first intellectual inspiration. Dig him. Awesome. How did you discover Sam? Oh, um, it was either the Tim Ferriss podcast was probably the first, and then there's a pretty good podcast uh, from... Uh, there's another Harris, Dan Harris, the author, 10% Happier. Mm. And that that podcast was pretty instrumental in my beginning journey into like meditation and spirituality and that kind of stuff. And yeah, those first 100 episodes just were like, I couldn't, it was just, the, you know, when they, the curiosity gets to the obsessive phase and you want to, you want to learn, read, do everything you can in that field. Um, but yeah, he mentioned him, uh, brings him up in podcasts. And then, yeah, I just, Sam Harris is in a lot of podcasts in the self-help world and the tech kind of world. So it's kind of hard not to, to, to see him, um, especially if you're like trying to find just good. Sam is so dense. Like it's kind of hard to read his books listen to for long periods without like processing it because you know he's so well thought out um so it's kind of hard not to encounter someone like that the higher you're trying to you know push yourself uh he's just a quality person you know he's gonna yeah na organically naturally come up in your in your feeds and stuff like that so yeah it was a podcast yeah. On the on the density of Sam, what what do you think makes him dense? I think I'm just slow when I'm learning. So when I, I think I was reading Waking Up, um, and I think just the first 30 pages, I had to just constantly put the book down and just reflect um, what I was reading. I, I didn't finish the book, not because it was a, a bad book, uh, it was good. I just, it was just a lot of good information. Um, as opposed to his other book, I think it's just called Lying. Yep. Which I, yeah, I feel like you could read that in a day. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like that, that didn't feel dense. That just was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, you're not living the moment if you're lying. And, was that your um, introduction so, to Sam lying? I think so. Um, um, yeah, I thought I thought that book was great. I wish I could give it. <laughs> I, every time I, I send somebody lying, I wish I could just add that book. But, you know. 
yeah, I think that's probably what I think your expectation of Sam might have been set uh, a little off center only because only because you were introduced through lying. Uh, Lying was, you know, I I get I feel like he wrote lying just on an inspiration. uh, And he essentially said, I'm going to write this essay about lying. And he said, you know what? There's a lot here. How about we do a small book? Uh, And that's what he did. And so it was it wasn't his. It wasn't a, a curated, sculptured effort like uh, the end of faith or the moral landscape, and those those are my introductions. So when you start there, I mean, I guess that's why you would call them dense. Uh, I started on the dense side. <laughs> I think Sam's so straightforward. Uh, I think that he's yeah. so straightforward, so clear. I actually got a degree in neuroscience because he was a neuroscientist. Uh, I was a, I was a computer science major, and then I read the end of faith, and I said, I have to know what this man knows. Uh, and so I said, where, and I looked on the back cover, he had a degree in neuroscience. I said, what better computer than the brain? Uh, and so I went and mm-hmm. studied the brain. Yeah. Sam's, Sam's the best man. And then Sam is, there's another guy. What's his name? Earl, Earl Hightower. Uh, if you're listening to Earl, thank you for doing what you do. So mm-hmm. Earl Tire, Earl Hightower would go around giving these talks. And one of the things he would do in his talk, he would say, you got to get right here in between those claps. That's what he would say. He would clap his hands. He said, you got to get in between those claps saying you have to live now. This is the only moment you're ever going to live and you need to be here. Yeah. You need to be present for it. Uh, and yeah. that was a teaching that I got years ago, uh, many, many years before I met Sam. And so when I finally met Sam, figuratively, uh, when I finally met him, I said, oh, this is the same concept, just expanded and detailed and and made central and meaningful. Um, And I carry it to the day, right? This this is the only moment we're ever going to live. So it's worth paying attention to. It sounds like Sam has a a huge impact on you. Uh, Who else? Sam was first and then uh, and then JP after. As an adult, um, I've been Jordan Peterson. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Sam, as that's as I didn't an, know you were on a. I didn't know you were on nickname. Oh yeah, me and JP, we <laughs> kick it all the time. Uh, we we kick go it, way back. We kick it all the time. Uh, we sit down, we talk. I I resist the temptation to lay down sideways while he sits up vertically. Uh, I, I you know we just talk face to face as men. Um, yeah, love JP. Love JP. I actually have a picture of him on my wall. Uh, I'm sure to the consternation of my fiance, but hey. I had a friend tell me he went to like a seminar of his for ten days or something like that, where he, he got to be, you know, he got to meet him, talk to him, and interact with him, and learn, you know, firsthand right there in a maybe classroom type setting or lecture hall type setting. And I thought that was pretty interesting. I don't know if you've heard of that or been interested in doing something like that. Um. Would I go see JPZ? Probably. Uh, probably if he came to town. I mean, I've spent so many hours reading him and, and listening to his lectures and listening to where he's been guests. His lectures are great. Uh, yeah. yeah. yeah I, you can just play I, that in the background if you're just having a bad day. You're just like, you know what? I need some inspiration or I just need something. Like, just throw it in the background. They're just brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what? A, so with Sam... So Sam, having understood his argument, uh, then I would hear people 
trying to rebuke Sam's argument. But every time that person didn't actually understand what Sam was saying, they had misunderstood something or was taking something out of context or had, you know, they were doing something wrong. They weren't appreciating his argument that they were trying to rebuke, that they were trying to disagree with. Uh, And that had been my experience with Sam up until Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson was the first person that I encountered that understood Sam's argument and still disagreed with it. (laughs) And I said, whoa, wait a minute. Who is this guy? Is there like a, like a, does he talk about it on a YouTube video? Oh, there's a 10 hour lecture or a 10 hour debate. They do in four parts, two and a half hours. Wait, shit. How have I not, Oh yeah, it happened a couple that. years ago. Oh gosh, okay. Whoa, yeah. I was gonna ask you, have they talked? And oh yeah, oh yeah. It was a big thing. Sold a uh, big, oh. big thing. They sold tickets in London, I think, and uh, yeah. a couple in Canada, that's, that's, I think. That's like the nerd Super Bowl. I mean, that's oh yeah, cool. oh yeah, it was. Oh yeah, it was. I I was on I was on uh, the couches, sofa's edge. I was on seats edge the whole time. Seriously? Yeah. Okay. So you, I, okay, I'll have to check it out. I oh yeah. Oh, yeah, do check it out. That. And so with with what Sam's what Jordan's criticism criticism of Sam was is that uh, Sam was smuggling in Christian morality uh, by assuming that well being the way he understood it was worth pursuing. Uh, and Jordan pointed to point out by saying, "Look, you can't just assume that." Right, that's a Christian. That's a Judeo-Christian ethic that you're bringing to the table by saying that well-being is worth pursuing. Who says, mm-hmm. right? Who says it's worth pursuing? Uh, you can't just smuggle that in that way. Um, and and that yeah, that that in itself, there are tenets that aren't in themselves. I guess this is to expand his point. There are tenets of mor- of morality that aren't in themselves discoverable scientifically. You can't discover mm-hmm. a reason to not blow your head off. You can't do it. You just have to assume it. You just have to carry it with you. You just have to wake up, decide to live, and seek a purpose. You just have to choose that. You just have to insist that someone choose that because there's no science that's going to bring you that. Um, he, Jordan argued that Sam's arguments by not having a transcendent theology were in the extreme nihilistic. Uh, that if you, don't, if you don't have a belief or a set of beliefs that at some point – try to touch the transcendent or or try to appreciate the transcendent or or uh, integrate the transcendent then it's flapping in the wind then it's then it's nihilistic it's morally relativistic um and that's a powerful argument that's a very very powerful argument uh yeah. it's it's for that reason why i developed a use uh, a comfortable use of the term god uh, that i'm comfortable using in conversation because uh, i up to that up to the the point of meeting JP was an atheist for lack of a better option. Uh, it's not that I wanted to be atheist or that I sought to be atheist or, th- or that I thought I had evidence that there was no God. I just couldn't, I just didn't have a way of using the term God that I felt was intellectually honest. But today I do have that. And that's thanks to JP. Thanks to understanding uh, his argument. And so I refer to God as the infant. And it was actually, here's something that I, that I can send you and anyone who's listening uh, in the direction of. There is a Rubin report which I don't generally recommend the Rubin Report, but this particular Rubin Report was Dave Rubin, Ben Shapiro, and Jordan Peterson. And I think there's about two and a half hours, maybe three hours. And they go deep about what it, how important it is to have some sense, some constant sense of the transcendent in order to stay psychologically upright. 
and and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I really do appreciate that. Wait, you're breaking up. I think you're. Have you gone? Have you gone away from the mic again? No, no here I am. Uh, can you hear me? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I was gonna say, do you want to educate me and maybe the listeners who don't know what the Rubin Report is? The Rubin Report. So that is Dave Rubin's show. Uh, you can look him up online. The reason I don't recommend it is because Dave Rubin hasn't shown himself to be uh, philosophically rigorous in the past several years. Uh, he came to the table, I don't know, in 2011-ish, 12-ish, I don't know exactly when, uh, as a liberal, as a progressive, uh, politically. And he stuck, you know, he said that's where he stood. And then, But his show, which I actually appreciated very early on, was about talking to people. Uh, of conservative leanings and talking to people to the other side in order to try to go after what ideas may be true, uh, regardless of, of let's say, ideological bias, which I think was a great thing. I listened to a lot of the Ruben Report. But in the past couple of years, it seems that he's just now adopted the ideological bias of the conservative side, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, in, in the bit where I listened to him, and he's talking about, you know, I think he's actually on the maybe this election is fraudulent camp, which mm. I don't see that as being intellectually honest at all. Now, that's not to say that there aren't people who do believe that, that I think really believe that. Uh, and that's troubling for its own right. It's just baffling to me how how Dave can get there. Um, I haven't heard him get all the way there. Like I said, I haven't followed him closely in the past couple of years, but he's getting bashed online. <laughs> Speaking of, yeah. you know, this this topic-ish diverting into, sounds like we're getting another quote-unquote stimulus. I was just wondering what you thought about that and, like, how that's, you know, maybe somewhat tied to, it's not, you know, universal basic income, but um, it's a step kind of in that direction. Oh, no, no, um, not even close. No, not even, no, no, no. Okay. Um, yeah. This stimulus, I think this stimulus is, uh, I want to be more creative than using the phrase a slap in the face, because uh, that's the phrase <laughs> that we all use, but I want to be a bit more creative. I want to say that this this stimulus is... It's December 22, just to give people context, and we just got the quote-unquote approval to send people 600 bucks. 600 bucks. Uh, Round number two, this round's going to be half as effective as the first that happened, what, nine months ago. Um, I think the stimulus reflects exactly how little the elected representation has to care about the American people. They don't have to care about us at all. All they have to care about are the donors. That's it. They only have to care about the corporate and the wealthy. Yeah. That's all they have to care about. They have to make sure that the stock market never goes down. People can die in the streets and the stock market shall never yeah. dip. Uh, yeah. That's that's the yeah. church they worship at. And I think this I is mean, just an example of that. I don't think any of us could have predicted that <laughs> at the end of the year we're bringing the, the market as highs. You know, it's not plummeting and it's just you know, and then you hear the stories of the lines around the block for the food bank. Um, it's just weird times. Um, I saw a food bank line. Uh, I want to say four miles long, a couple a number yeah. number of months ago in cars. Um, yeah. What? Yeah. 
Right here in Santa Ana. Right here in Santa Ana. Wow. Uh, damn. That's life right now. Oh, it's terrible. No, the stimulus isn't, isn't, uh, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's just the, well, the wealthy leadership showing how much they care about the wealthy donors. That's what this stimulus is. Yeah. No, I, it just, uh, it's gonna, 2021 is gonna be funny. Um, probably not as, uh, huh. Never say never, but probably not as funny as 2020. I don't like the the amount of Delta uh, things can change. I I don't think can get much different, but I, I don't know. Um, but this this uh, this seems like a non sustainable method of you know printing out money and stimulating the economy um it just seems not sustainable um and something's I, i'm i'm nervous i don't know what this like tipping point um is gonna be at least for the u the united states um with all this money the virus people on edge people losing their jobs uh the stock market going high and it, you know, you, we feel like we're in a bubble. We don't know. Like, it seems like we're in a bubble. And like, you have things like Bitcoin that's at almost twenty four thousand. To you know, and it's like, what is this all pointing towards? Like, what is this? What's what's next? Kind of thing. I, I couldn't tell you. It's a it's a pretty interesting time. Things are getting way accelerated. Way, you know, things are happening a lot faster. Um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I'm of the camp. Uh, there's a guy named Chris Hedges. Uh, I'm gonna Google that really quickly, just so I'm saying his name correctly. Chris Hedges, American journalist. Yeah, Chris Hedges. Uh, he goes around. He gives talks, um, and I think he articulated that our leadership has abandoned us. Uh, and our wealthy have abandoned us. Now, that's not to say that they've done it maliciously. Uh, and and the, his part ends at the abandoned. So this is my part. Uh, what I think the what the, what I think the wealthy and the leadership class and the donor class have done is they've done very well for themselves. They've done very very well for themselves, operating under the free market paradigm as best as they could operate. They've made themselves and their families a lot of money, and they've done it ostensibly honestly. Yeah. Um, and they see now that lies travel six times faster than truth. They see that people yeah. are willing to burn each other if for their ideas and people are taking to the streets and people are very agitated and they're sick of the inequality, but the wealthy and the donors say, but we're earning it honestly. And so in this, in this season of panic, rather than try to address the inequality and the, the exacerbating inequality in a meaningful way, they've chosen to retreat. They've chosen to say, what we're going to do is we're going to secure our funds. We're going to secure our position. We're going to secure our safety and that of our descendants. We're going to put up walls and we're going to buy guards and the commons can do what they want to each other. Right. And so that's, and, and they, they, and not only that, I think a lot of them feel optimistic 
that it's all going to work out. Uh, and I think a lot of them feel that it's going to work out and they're going to keep their money. Right. This is, they really believe that they think it's all going to work out and I'm going to stay wealthy and my kids are going to stay wealthy, but it's all going to work out. Uh, and so they're just going on that course. <laughs> no yeah. malice involved. Right. They feel like they've earned their money. They and they're keeping it and uh, there's no taking it from them. I don't want to take money from the wealthy. Uh, my proposed solution for this situation is a basic income, a robust basic income. Uh, that is funded via uh, a progressive – I would argue for a progressive income tax even though that would – it's easily dodged. Uh, I think a VAT would help. Um, I could uh, – what did I put in my article? So I think I think it should replace the first $1,000 of Social Security and replace all the cash dividends and replace the first $1,000 of unemployment. But that's only the first $1,000. We could, of course, have a Social Security and an unemployment insurance that go above – the basic income, but I think we should have a basic income. I think we should, uh, and just mostly from a vet. And so I think we should have a society that says, look, if your company is making however many billions of dollars a year, you're going to pay this tax uh, back into the system so that people don't have to depend on your company to live. I think that's a flawed way of existing. I think having a society in which this group of people is completely dependent on this other one. And that extends for hundreds of thousands and millions of people. That is to say, however many millions of us are completely, de- completely dependent on whatever sec- class of hundred thousand heirs or and multimillionaires that are free and have resources mm-hmm. and, and that we depend on for work. Uh, I don't think that's a nice way to be. I would rather have more independent towns, more independent states, more independent cities and more independent regions. And I think a basic income, would actually stimulate dependence. I mean, uh, yeah, would stimulate independence. Now, it's more natural to think. I think it's very natural when people say, wait a minute, a basic income will certainly create dependence, right? People will come to depend on that income. Um, Mm -hmm. And while that might be true for some individuals, what I think would happen is this. Let's say a city like Compton, California. Compton, California has 96,000 people in it. If you gave... Compton, uh, Compton, California, a basic income of $1,000 a month for each one of those people. And let's say half of them are kids, so half of them wouldn't get it. So we're talking something like 48,000 people that would get it. So that's $48 million a month in the local economy. Not all of that money is just going to vanish out of that local economy immediately. No. Some of it is. No. Some of it is just going to go right back to McDonald's and Walmart and Starbucks. But a lot of it's going to stay there. A lot of it's going to build a mom and pop's barbecue shop. And a lot of it's going to build uh, a mom and pop's hair, you know, a bar, what is it, barber shop. Uh, a lot of it's going to build a, a, a locally owned convenience store to replace the 7-Eleven, right? A lot of it's going to stay in that community. A lot of it's yeah, going to go into people's sense. homes and people's projects yeah. uh, and, and and their accounts, right? And the people will also become more financially literate as they have more finances to be literate with. And so I think what you'll create with a basic income, instead of a dependence in terms of cities being dependent, I think you will see cities gain independence such that if the grid goes down, there's enough resources that they've commu- accumulated such that they don't depend on the grid as heavily over time. Huh? What do you think? Have you thought? Have you thought much about basic income? I know I'm a, I'm a basic income preacher. I haven't looked into it, but I don't know 
you know, when Randy or the Yang, Yang, wow, I'm forgetting his first name. Andrew Yang? Uh, Andrew uh, was, uh, you know, spearheaded. He, he, you know, he brought it to yeah. the world, the, the United States view. And I, that was the first time I heard of it. And um, I think we talked about this. You do not watch Star Trek, right? I don't know. Okay, it just the, the reason I bring it up, they're at the point where, you know, they have replicators that can make their any food or anything, like they could 3D print anything at will. Um, so, you know, after solving that problem and uh, creating something out of kind of nothing, uh, you know, the, the your basic needs are covered, you can produce whatever you want. I, I don't know if we're there yet universal basic income. I, w- I think that's probably the eventual goal um, should be. I just don't think we are at that point yet. But you also asked me to remember why, why, this, why I brought this topic up. It was in the context of what do we do going forward, right? And how do we how do we get yeah. how do we navigate the scenario yeah. in which the wealthiest of wealthy are just fine, but the rest of us are competing for scraps, right? How do we yeah. how do we navigate out of this mess? Well, I think the first step is to make sure that we aren't competing for scraps. That's the first step. The wealthy are fine. They're gonna be fine. Right? They're fine, they're already fine, they're gonna be fine. We need to worry about the common Americans. That's who's in trouble. The people who who now have to go back to move in with their parents because their restaurant shut down because of COVID, right? And and we handled it so poorly. So what the American government should have done was said, okay, this is a pandemic. Uh, businesses are going to close. We're going to have to keep people in homes. And I think, I don't know what countries did this, but I heard that some countries did this. I would have to look up to find out exactly who. But I heard that some countries subsidized wages. They just said to employers, look, we're going to pay 70% yeah. of your payroll uh, you oh, yeah. keep, you don't fire anybody, right? Keep everybody oh. on your payroll, send them home, right? And we'll yeah. pay 70% of the, we know that, you know, it's going to be hard and we'll help you out with some money, but just keep yeah. your people on the payroll. We'll pay 70% of it until we get over this thing. Uh, that would have been better. That would have been much better than causing so many tens of millions of people to go onto the unemployment rolls. Right. Um, that was a huge and, mistake. Oh, gosh. I mean, <laughs> every country is something different which is pretty cool like this is like a global experiment like you got to see how everyone responded like you had sweden who didn't do anything you had um japan korea or like whatever like if you were old or whatever they would just bring the food to you and put it at your doorstep like that's nice can you imagine us doing that us doing that in the states i mean i know some people did they opened supermarkets early just for elderly uh, that was that was great. I love that. Mm. Um, it just, yeah, I, every, you could always compare, but every country just culturally is different. Um, yeah, uh, don't know um, what the best uh, and what the path to universal basic income can and maybe will be. Um, I just don't think, I don't know. I don't know enough. I don't think we're there. I think, you know, you can, I mean, you know, I, everyone can kind of create their own destiny, I think. I mean, if you, I mean, look, man, if you are in, 
if you're in the United States, um, you can kind of, if you really gave a shit and made it your top priority to become a doctor, become an engineer or a lawyer, whatever, you can do it. You could eventually break your, you know, low income chains or whatever you want um, and get there. Um, is this the model that is the best? Probably not. Um, may, is it maybe the best quote unquote governmental financial experiment capitalism? Um, is it the best system that doesn't work? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. It looks like it's. Well, basic income doing... is capitalism very much. Yeah, but like, are we printing that money, or no? Just, when we get taxed, no. If you print money, you're gonna money run back. inflation through the roof. You cannot print money. So where's that money coming from? Tax that tax from, value added tax mostly. Is, so so like, why do you avoid the tax? Why don't you just lower the tax? Isn't that the same thing? No, you can't avoid a VAT. A VAT is a sales tax. But no, no, I'm saying like, like if you're giving a thousand a month, why don't you just lower everyone's taxes where they don't pay a thousand? Yeah, but that's that's equivalent of ten thousand dollars in ten percent tax. Who spends ten thousand dollars a month? <laughs> Who could save that much? I don't spend. T- I couldn't just stop. You know, if oh, you gave me tax okay, savings, yeah. I would have to be. It would have to be. I'd have to be spending ten thousand dollars a month in order for that to be equivalent. Yeah, I guess. True. Yeah, I guess. Um, got it. I'm just saying. Like, what if we had no taxes? Would that kind of be like? Maybe it's not a thousand a month for a lot of people. Who are like, wouldn't that be kind of the same? No, because then, then that's know. then there. You know, people don't pay twelve thousand dollars a year in taxes, and so eliminating yeah, I their taxes. I mean, that would eliminating taxes would mean a lot for the people that are paying millions of dollars every year for for in taxes. Yeah, for them would be incredible. But for the people who make twenty k a year and don't don't even pay income taxes, for them it would be meaningless. And that's who we're yeah, that's who we're going after. Uh, that's who yeah. needs to help the most. The clerks, the yeah. cashiers, the people who's the people who clean toilets, the people who pick up trash, the people who flip the burgers. Right. That's who needs the help. Yeah. Tax cuts don't help them. They've never helped them. I've never thought. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I just you you know when you they they need help. Yeah, but they can also you know don't get me wrong. Everyone's circumstances are different, but like you can. Push yourself to to get out of that situation. If you if you call, maybe you want to be a clerk the rest of your life. No, nothing against clerk though. Like, but you, you know, you are creating your own destiny. Like, you have to live with it. You can out. You don't. You shouldn't have to rely on anybody. First of all, let alone a government that will never have your best interest at heart. Never. And we just saw it with this. Slap in the, I love that, slap in the face stimulus. Um, could we get there? I, I want to believe so. Are we going to get there in our lifetimes? That would be, maybe. I want to, you almost can't question out anything at this point. Uh, I don't think we're there yet. But See, I think it's I about, it's about changing the paradigm, right? So the paradigm of our current society is that our society will do its best to protect you from physical harm 
That is to say, we have we call for a monopoly on violence. We agreed to that monopoly on violence before you came to exist. And you can enjoy the benefits of the state having that monopoly on violence. If anybody comes Mm -hmm. at you with a knife, you can call for the police and the city will come to your aid. This is what you inherited from society. This is a dividend and a benefit that's being paid to you from society, from your ancestors. You're welcome. Have a good life. In the meantime, you're going to need to sell your attention to someone in order so that maybe one day you can own your attention. Maybe you never want to own your attention. That's fine. Sell your attention your whole life. That's fine. We're going to protect you from safety while you go out and try to sell your attention. And if you sell your attention well and manage yourself well, maybe one day you'll own your own attention. Isn't that a beautiful society? Yes, it is. I can imagine one better. You come to society and we give you the monopoly on violence. We say that if anybody comes at you with a knife, you can call the police and we'll come to protect you. And your attention is your own. All of it. You don't have to sell your attention to anyone. Pursue love. Pursue meaning. Pursue justice. Figure out why we're water-based things on this floating orb. Do all that stuff. You don't have to sell your attention to anyone if you don't want to. Enjoy. I think that's a better society. Yeah, I think there is a fine line of assistance. Like, you hear about these stories with specifically, like, Native Americans who get all these subsidies and money from the government. And, like, you know, there's a ton of data of, like, how a lot of them turn into alcoholics and uh, drug addicts because, you know, when you've lost... Not lost. I don't even know what the word would be. When you don't have that desire to push yourself to make uh, something of yourself, like, and you're you're taken care of, then you kind of become complacent and look for a high somewhere else that you don't get from your career pushing or that meaningful work that you can do with uh, your hands and your brain or whatever. Um, there's a fine line. I don't know if it's a thousand dollars. I don't know if it's five hundred dollars a month. But yeah, I was on an unemployment for a few months, and that felt like I guess kind of in a way it is in the end my own somewhat my own money coming back in taxable coming through the tax form. But that did that was pretty awesome. Like I was like, wow, I'm you know I'm getting covered. I get to learn some new things. I get to you know follow some. Uh, passions or projects travel and come back and be a part of society um so uh, see where i would draw a difference with you there is that i wouldn't accuse you of not being a part of society while you were getting the unemployment yeah i wouldn't make that accusation to you i wouldn't say oh you're collecting unemployment therefore you aren't a part of society right i wouldn't say that to you i think that's a mean thing to say i think that as long as you're a human breathing and conscious and awake, you're a part of society. Uh, and I think society yeah. can do you better than saying, if you're accepting money to live, you're a bad person there, for that. You need to get yeah. off of those roles. You know, okay, I mean, there's this point where you either contribute more than you take or you take more than you contribute. Um, and if we had a society, if, you know, if people who take more than they're giving, I don't know how, and I, and you can argue we're kind of doing that or something like, uh, or climate change, uh, on the 
horizon, right? Um, so I don't. I'm not. Or, I'm not sold on on this taking and giving paradigm that we've that we've come to accept. I don't consider living so inherently harmful. Uh, I don't think if you if you're I think paying attention itself needs to be considered a form of giving. Uh, I yeah yeah I'm not I'm not yeah. sure that I that I go with that that idea. Yeah I mean may not have said it the best, but uh, I just don't know if we'll make it at scale if we are. Actually, I don't know. I gotta think about this a little bit more. This is a little bit new. Um, I don't even know if I'm even talking about what you're uh, hitting me with. I think you are. I think you are. The The makers and takers yeah. argument is one that, that has been going around for a couple of decades yeah, now. Yeah, I just, I, 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 I want, I just want us to be somewhere where we're, uh, it's not that we have to constantly be building and creating and giving back, but there's got to be some sort of balance that I don't feel like we're in today. And that's why I try to do what I do. But a um, balance of, of balance. What, where's the imbalance right. where you have to articulate where the imbalance is? Um, well, we were, we were talking about the universal basic income, but I'm kind of going from uh, the selfishness, not the selfish that you define yourself at. I'm talking about the hyper selfish people who just want to take and take advantage of people mm -hmm. and take mm -hmm. advantage of systems. And if you allow them, they will. Mm -hmm. If you, if you are teaching a class and you're like, you know what class it's the honor system, I'm going to leave the class and you can take it on. You're going to have someone mm -hmm. that's cheating. And if not more than half, and that maybe not more, I don't know, but you're, it's never gonna be, you know, uh, a fair game. Um, uh, I hope we get there. I, and I, I think we can. Uh, we have a lot of work to do. Um, but hey, universal basic income, pretty cool. I hope we get there. Now, I think that to your to your point about the taking. Um, so this is this is what we'd be accusing the people of taking. We'd be accusing them of taking a thousand dollars a month, twelve thousand dollars a year, and not doing and not selling and not selling anything, especially their own attention. That's that will be right. the accusation. You're taking twelve thousand dollars yeah. a year, and you aren't selling your attention to anyone. What a terrible person! Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the accusation? Yeah, uh, maybe. Uh, uh, can you can you give that can you give that back to me? Uh, yeah. I'm so if sure if if we have a basic income recipient who accepts the twelve thousand dollars a year and then refuses to sell anything, they don't sell their yeah. attention, they don't sell any goods that they've acquired, they don't sell anything to anyone. They're now a taker, right? It, and it, that's the you know oh, okay. That's the uh, argument and, you're making, is it? Is that not? Uh, uh, um, n n not how I had it in my head, but I can mm. see how that came out. That what I was saying that way. Um, I'm, I don't know. Because uh, it, no. it sounds like uh, well, maybe maybe I'll put it a different way. Uh, 
it sounds like you're articulating, and it's an old American idea, and I think it, I think it's an idea that does have beauty in it. So I should articulate it in the strongman way. Uh, in America, we work for what we get. In America, we earn our keep. No American should be expected to be taken care of by their neighbor. They should get up and work for themselves, and then maybe their neighbor will help them. That's an old American idea. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So that beautiful, right? That's the idea. Yep. Yes. That idea comes into conflict with basic income when we say that if you accept the $12,000 that we're giving out from the government, that that's somehow different than accepting help from your neighbor. We're drawing a fundamental distinction there. If the money is taxed from Amazon, goes into the federal treasury, and then goes to your account, that's different than if the money was given to a church and then that church gave it directly to you. It's it's meaningfully different in a lot of people's minds, not mine. I see that as an extended charity, as an extended mechanism of one neighbor helping another. I'm saying to our next generation of descendants, we love you so much, we're going to free you from birth. That's how much we love you. We love you so much, you aren't going to have to sell anything to anyone. And we had to sell ourselves to get you that right. I think that's an act of love. Uh, uh, I can see it. Yeah, that is. uh, I, I don't know... Guess I gotta look more into it and see if that you're not saying anything I'm not like strongly disagree with right now. Now let me take if I can if I can have this liberty. Let Go me take it. the other side of it because uh, I could be okay. accused of, of only having one side of this thing. It's important to limit basic income to the poverty level. That's an important feature. Basic income cannot and should not provide luxuries. We should not be paying for people's okay. internet. I mean, not internet. I didn't mean to say that. We shouldn't be paying for people's cable. We shouldn't be paying for people's okay. HBO, Showtime. Uh, okay. uh, we shouldn't okay. be paying for people's Netflix. Uh, we shouldn't be paying for people's smartphones, let's say. Um, mm-hmm. I, I could get behind a program that says that every uh, 25-year-old should be guaranteed a mobile phone with a working phone number. If, if somebody put together that legislation, I think I could get behind that. But not, a, not an okay. iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to have any society that's going to guarantee you an iPhone. Yeah. Um, and, th- and that's an important feature because what we're saying, what I want to say to our descendants is we guarantee you the ability to pay attention to whatever you want, whenever you want, yeah. for as long as you want. We- right. What, what if you – What if you? yeah, sorry. I'll let you no, no, no. Um, well, I was going to say that and then say, but we don't guarantee you the – equal level of comfort that has come to those that have gone out and worked for it. We want competition in the private market. We want yachts. We want Rolexes. We want satin sheets and king size beds. And we want those to only go to the people that earn them. We want that in society. So I'm not decrying inequality as a principle at the existence of inequality. I'm, I'm decrying the scale of this gross inequality. That's what I'm decrying, not the existence of inequality, period. Makes sense. Yeah. What were you going to say? Uh, oh, I was just going to say, like, well, that's that was, like, kind of, I was just trying to chime in with my thing I talked about with the scholarship, mm. where we only gave money for educational purposes, calculators, mm. computers, um, your books, tuition, that kind of thing, and... Um, as opposed to like, yeah, your HBO just subscription and things that aren't really going to be benefiting you. Uh, so I can get behind what you're saying. Let me ask you while I got you. Um, 
this on a completely different wavelength. Go for it. When you're listening to your thoughts, do you see your thoughts? Do you hear your thoughts? Do you feel? How do you how do you receive the content that your unconscious delivers to you? Good. Um, hmm. I mean, there's a lot. Um, so there's there's kind of the flashback memory of when you were in grade school that just comes out of nowhere while you're at your desk job or um, eating a sandwich or whatever. Um, it can come in a... It mostly comes in a visual form. Now that I'm thinking about it, there's not many words. Hmm. Uh, there's... There, well, there are, you know, there is that the that voice or voices um, that come up, uh, and you're just kind of like, well, you know, why did that my mind say that? Like, why is it saying that? Like, what what are you trying to get at? Uh, I guess it comes in a voice, an image, video, memory, reliving. But there's also the those those times where there's just the, you still feel the feelings. Mm. Um, so like last night I did a very long, like hour and a half plus meditation and I was deep into a voice, um, that I have not, I wouldn't call it suppressed, but I just, I guess it is suppressed. I didn't let it speak long enough and it wasn't things I cared to want to hear it's kind of that envy voice that that you're not good enough voice or what or whatever that kind of comes up or you could have done this better and then you you let it talk out for a while and you're like you know that we know that's not true like i i know that's not true it's just why is that voice going is it is that society's voice like like in programmed into my brain somehow um anyways it, it, to answer your question visual voice uh visual uh voice and memory and feeling some some sort of combination what's the that. primary for you oh i think it's visual mm. i think it's most i think so i've never thought about that so you'll be you'll be standing at the front of a line ordering a coffee and then the barista that you're looking at will briefly transform into a girl that you knew in high school and then go back to <laughs> no no uh well, gosh i don't know i i gotta get I'm, i'll definitely get back to you i like that question no it's it's more like uh, no there's a voice like oh i can't wait. when i get home i'm gonna set up my uh you know my oven pizza and once i do that i'll get my tv show ready like there's that planner there hmm. i i, I kind of break them up I had this fun experiment. Have you seen um shit? What's that Pixar movie? Inside Oh Inside yeah, Inside. I love that. I like that movie a lot. Well, it, it, uh it's the one with the thoughts. Uh-huh. Um yeah. is it called Inside? Inside Out, out I think or? I'm pretty sure I'm gonna Google it right now. Yeah. Okay. And you know how like she has the, the, the girl she has like those vo- uh different characters that are different emotions? Yeah, inside out, yeah. Yeah, okay. So uh, I love that movie too. Um I kind of have it kind of like that, but it's not so much emotions. Like I've identified those characters. Like, oh, here's the planner. Oh, here's the go-getter. Oh, here's the la- here's lazy ass George. He's talking now. He mm-hmm. here's him. So it's kind of like this this 
like I would guess I would call it like dinner table or party where I'm the watcher, like the one there's this, you know, person that's just watching and just being mindful. And then I'm literally watching, Oh, here's engineering, George. Here's, um, scientific George trying to break it down. Here's uh, financial George trying to make the best. Like I just, they're all different characters that have their own emotions and voices tied to them. And that's helped me like, so I guess it's, I guess it isn't so much the image. I, when I get into meditation, I think that's where that answer came from. The image answer. It's just a lot of old memories may come up mm. until I quote unquote, get into mental inbox zero where I've cleared my mental email mm. um, uh, and read everything and just deleted or archived them. Um, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I got to think about that. That's a good question. That's an awesome phrase. Mental inbox zero. I'm going <laughs> to, uh, I, I, I didn't, uh, I, I, I took that from Naval. Uh, Is that from Naval? Yeah. 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 Uh, Naval Ravikant. Oh, uh, he, Naval Ravikant. Yeah, not, no, yeah, I, uh, probably a lot of the things I've said I've stemmed from because he's had a lot of impact on the way. I, but uh, yeah, it, it's brilliant. I, I love that. Um, That's so cool. Uh, I've got. Let me see. Since we're on the topic, if I can find them, I happen to be looking at my notebook where I've got my personalities written down. Oh wow. One of them, oh shucks, should be a short little list near the bottom of the page. Should have been looking for this already. Have you ever done DMT? I have not. I think DMT will will perform this work for you uh, in spades. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I I have done mushrooms and I've had, I haven't been able to sit with it long enough independent like i did it with like friends and so i i never there was these moments where i wanted to be like holy shit holy shit like i'm figuring it out figuring it out but like like come on george let's go i'm like crap like i wanted to sit there with it like mm -hmm. i was close so i think uh but uh yeah yeah i could i could see that psychedelics are definitely a way to to push it mine are the learner the comedian the abandoned the people pleaser and the addict are those the constant ones, or are those the? Those are just my uh, general modes that I'll that I'll. Th those are just the general modes that will generate the next phrase or action that I'm gonna do. It'll typically be okay. coming from coming from one of those five places. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah, the addict. Um, I think the addict has been kind of backseated, trunked for a while, so that's good. Uh, the people pleaser still raises his head every day. Uh, the abandoned is, I think, a core part of how I think. Can't help that. Uh, the comedian doesn't come up too much, but every so often, and then I try to let the learner be the lead. <laughs> uh, that's cool. I, I, I have. I feel like you could break each of those into five more. Like they're 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 multiple. Uh, at least that's how I see. Oh yeah. So. I mean, it's really about. I think it's. I think it's a useful thing to do because only you know. Right. Uh, these yeah. these categories, you know, I created them and they're very meaningful for me. Uh, yeah. And that's all they need to be. <laughs> right. So your your categories really only need to be deeply meaningful for you. You're the one who has to walk in your shoes there. You know what? 
Uh, I really like this topic, um, and I brought this up. I, I saw a therapist like this last year, um, and we really hit it. Uh, but there's there was something about suppressing one of the characters. For me, it was quote unquote character, the mental model, whatever you want to call it. And for me, it was the asshole. Like mm. I had an asshole George that I chained up and left them, and that came out once um and now like he's at my party he's he's sitting at the table mm. but I, I i can let him out when i want like I, that's something super new not super new but like something just different that changed um in letting what whatever character drive like when you're dealing with people you're like wow yesterday they were so nice today the asshole's driving though like you know um you begin to be able to see who's in the front seat um, driving on a lot of people. That's why I really like that movie. They did a good job uh, inside out. They did a good job to show which emotion was driving. That is very good. One of my favorite, I think it's probably my favorite feature of the movie was, was, and this is a, let me see if it's 2020, it's 2025. I don't know. Spoilers. Uh, so <laughs> skip forward five minutes if you don't want to hear anything else about Inside Out, I guess. Uh, but when the girl got complex emotions, that was to me that was it was so science it was neuroscientifically accurate. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, and the way that the child emotions are represented, but then as an adult, you learn that you can have a situation that you remember that you remember as painful, but it was actually good or you or a situation yeah. that, you know, you, you think yeah. back to when, you know, your grandmother was playing the piano that time, but then you also remember that your grandmother's dead yeah. and, you know, yeah. and it's, so you have these, there's complexity wow. comes in, yeah. uh, with, with, with every oh, thought. Uh, and that's how job. we yeah. go forward. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and there's a scene where like when the, like fear is, trying to be angry it came out as some other feeling and i remember seeing some posts on reddit where they broke it down um and like you know when uh, what was the green one was it discussed like when she tried to be um joy the nice one it came out as like condescending like when disgust was trying and like i'm like wow sadness that's... joy fear disgust and yeah. anger yeah yeah and uh, yeah, the movie did brilliant. Like the way they did the uh, the dream, like how you have dreams and like how you have this like really shitty person director putting together a dream. Like, all right, now throw in like the bullet. Like, you know, it was, just, it was brilliant. I, I I really, I really loved that movie. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. It was really good. Yeah, I uh, I mostly hear my thoughts, uh, and I've been. That's my primary sensation. It's been mostly audio for a long, long time. And, hmm. and that's just how it comes. And then experiencing Sam uh, and learning from Sam is what allowed me to to listen and continue to listen and hear, but then not, not have to be identical with the... Uh, not be identical with the noise, not be identical with the content. Uh, of the audio that my unconsciousness is that my unconscious is presenting me all the time. Um, I'm grateful for that. I'm very grateful for that. 
some call it detached, I think, but I don't, I don't refer to it as detached. Uh, I haven't, I don't use that word. I don't think, cause to me, detached means not caring, right? When I think, oh, I'm detached from that, it means I don't care, but you should care. Uh, you shouldn't, yeah, you shouldn't not care, uh, you, about what goes on inside of your head and what goes on inside of your family's head and your friend's heads. Um, you should care, but, you know, if your friend is emotionally crippled, that shouldn't emotionally cripple you. Uh, something like that. I don't know. What are you watching in shows these days? Man, we're getting Mandalorian was good. It's just a nice, easy thing to put in the background. Um, what do you do? What do you do in the foreground? I think that's the third time you've mentioned background. <laughs> Oh, um, gosh, uh, I, 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 the side projects were a good one. Um, I don't really know. Do you do social media? Um, no, I can't, uh, for too long. I, I, I do it for the, that scholarship project. That's, that's, that's how we got the word out. Um, but Twitter is the only social media uh, but uh, I, a lot of it is like um, I don't know cooking um, working out walking talking on the phone mm. Uh, mm. seeing people uh, I guess I work a lot um, my and- projects are all also digital in the cloud I mean, there, but you know, I, I build games, so there's a yeah. there's enough of a feedback okay. loop with that. Yeah, you were doing like a game a month or something, right? At some point, or uh, that was the goal. I didn't stick to that <laughs> by any stretch. That's, uh, that's, that that was the goal hard. at one point. No, I didn't stick to that. I built, I built. I'm calling the cops in about six months. Um, <laughs> I released that, and then I was going to build this game called Dragonflies with Sherwin. Uh, but that didn't really pan out. Um, and then after the pandemic hit, uh, I was here and I said, you know what? Uh, let me see about, uh, inv- what, what got me into investing? So my buddy hit me up just out of the blue and he said, Hey, I've got this investment strategy. Uh, he made $9,000 in February alone with this new strategy, uh, trading stocks. And I said, okay, I am listening. <laughs> What's going on here? Uh, and so I, in learning, I didn't stick with his strategy. He was trading equities, which I think is inherently risky. Uh, and so I got out of that, but then I discovered futures. And I said, well, futures, there's a lot reward. There's a lot of risk and there's a lot of reward and it happens quickly. But the program that I ended up using was called Ninja Trader 8. Uh, and I said, you know oh, what? Yeah. This, this Ninja Trader 8, I can actually write my code. Uh, on it i can write c sharp on it so let me see if i can write a program that will do trades for me uh something simple and safe and just do it a lot and make me some money and so i wrote a program that i that in my test environment was making me about a thousand dollars a day in the in the simulated environment so i go Mm -hmm. okay this is this is going to work i think this might work and so (laughs) i i put the thing on the real environment and it broke immediately and lost me four hundred dollars so I said, oh, okay, <laughs> there goes cool. that. Uh, Not cool that you lost money, but it's a cool, that's how you learn, man. Like, oh, yeah. You know, once you have skin in the game, you're going to 
you're gonna give a shit and you're gonna yeah. lose it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I took I took the gamble. Uh, I took the gamble. I'm lucky you didn't lose me more. Uh, I'm lucky you didn't lose me more. There's a there's a fail safe, you can only lose so much. Uh at least the way I set it up. So get I got off of that and I said, Well, okay, so the and I spent months I spent months writing that. Uh and then I said, Okay, well, what else can I learn? And I said, How about blockchain? Uh, I don't know anything about writing blockchain. And so I said, I'm going to write a game that interacts with the blockchain. Uh, I'm still in the process of writing that game. I've actually just got uh, an internship with a company that has us building a game uh, that's going to be released January 6th. And I'm writing it in Lua. So my my brain's been full of Lua the past couple weeks. Uh, but then once I'm done with this, I'll go back to my C-Sharp game. C-Sharp Unity game that interacts with the blockchain. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Writing's fun, man. Writing's fun. Are you going to learn more? Are you going to kind of dig in? I know you don't do much development for your for your your job duties. Uh, could you? Do you want to? I've been to and given more opportunity. Um, I'm in an interesting position right now with this. It's more like leadership type tasks. Um, but yeah, heck yeah, I like it. Um, I want to, uh, especially on the uh, infrastructure cloud type side of things. I, I find that so so interesting. Um, yeah, it's coming up. Uh, soon. What do you want for Christmas, George? Uh, I want a nice, uh, peaceful day with my family. And is that really it? A peaceful day? I'm talking about a thing. Uh, uh, I don't really have a thing. Uh, uh, I mean, like a Tesla would be nice. Sure. A Model 3. Yeah, yeah, that would be nice. But uh, no, I don't know. Just a nice... I just... I think a nice break. I, I think we all need to recharge our batteries. I wish I could go on a vacation. That would be cool. Um, like, just getting out. But no, there's not a thing uh, that I desire I got I got a ten dollar Chipotle gift card today that was I I didn't know I wanted that but heck I'll take that that's, nice. that's a pretty good one yeah so uh, I don't want I don't want a PS5 or anything like that uh, even though I wouldn't say no but yeah I'm pretty content I have I have a lot of good things right now what about you what do you want what do you want for this uh I got a Joe Rogan monkey head kettlebell. Huh. Oh my gosh, of course that's a thing. That's such a, <laughs> that's such a thing. Oh shit, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah, I'm happy to support on it. I never had a chance to support Joe's company, but now I do. Cool. Well, what would you want to? Where do you want people to find you? Where do you want people to seek you out? What uh, what what message would you give um, to uh to twenty five year olds out there that might be listening and wondering what they should know, do with the next year of their life? You know what? I'm gonna totally copy one of my favorite people. I've never done this, but this is so cool to get this chance. If there is anybody would like to reach out, you can totally reach out to me at my email. Uh, it's G M and thing mean Y A M. E-E-N at gmail.com. You can totally met, email me anything. I will I will guarantee a response. Uh, uh, yeah, just just I'm down to talk about anything. He he I, I'm totally stealing that idea. I emailed him. He's an author. It, it was a great experience. It was very personal. 
Um, I have a Twitter. I'm not super active. I, I mean, I check it a lot. Let me. I don't even know my own Twitter handle. Um, it's uh, just at George, my first name and my last name, Yamin, Y-A-M-E-E-N. You can follow me. You can personal message me there. That's probably the only places you'll find me that, that are consistent uh, on the web. I, I don't do much of, of other social media. Can we find you on Wall Street Bets? <laughs> on our own Wall Street Bets, yeah, but not on the, the subreddit, yeah. Yeah. It's a too bad we didn't get to get there. Uh, we do share that in the, uh, that interest in common. Maybe next time. Yep, sounds good. That's I appreciate you coming uh, coming over, George. Uh, you're an interesting guy. We share the the interest of the mind and and fly. And it's so cool to hear about your scholarship, man. I really applaud you. you. That's an amazing thing. We need people who care doing those things. Like I said, I'm not in that camp. I feel kind of bad that I'm not, but I'm just being honest, right? We need people like you doing that work. And I'm so happy that you're doing it, man. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, I will catch you next time, buddy. Okay. Uh, Sounds good. Bye-bye. Bye.